For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to the All-American Brit Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Johnny McKeelan. Very happy to be joined again by my good friend Matt Moretz. Matt, how are you doing today? Johnny, what's going on? It's good to be here again. It's a pleasure to have you. We are chatting now. It's Sunday and it's just concluded the 149th Open Championship along Sandwich Bay at Royal St. George's Golf Course. The champion golfer of the year is young Colin Morikawa. It's his first Open Championship. He's one for one. He's shown up and won it. He's as well a, a PGA Championship winner. He won up at, what was it, Harding Park, of course, during the 2020 season, and there were no fans. And so I think this was a really special event for Colin to experience the crowds, to experience the Open for the first time, and he ends up going and winning it. What did you make of Colin's performance on Sunday? Uh, I mean, incredible. Just, I, I think he um, he just he showed just such composure for it being his first open championship. And, you know, I, I, I love, I love watching the open. It's just such a, it's such a unique tournament, uh, our major championship in the year, especially as I'm, I'm still sipping my coffee. Cause I, you know, I was up early watching it um, here in New York and especially uh, on the West coast for you as well. I mean, it's, it's always a, it's always a fun uh, tournament to watch and I have fond memories of, of, uh, of watching it. And certainly the way that the course set up this week, I think was a little different today, uh, especially because there's not, there's not a lot of wind. Um, I was looking at the flags on 18 and uh, they weren't blowing very hard. And I think that uh, that allowed a lot of players to kind of beat down the door and make some birdies. And certainly Morikawa made, uh, took advantage of that. And uh, he likes to come from behind in tournaments. Um, He has a, he has a record of doing that. And I think he just, he showed extremely good composure hit the shots he needed to hit and converted when he needed to convert. So it's just very, very impressive uh, on his front. It was kind of a three-man race uh, on Saturday and leading into Sunday. And of course, all day Sunday it was between Louis Eustace and Jordan Spieth and Colin Morikawa. And I think that, like you said, Morikawa showed incredible composure. Commentators are comparing him to the, the this win, comparing it to the way that Tiger would win a tournament, just dominant. You, you're, not, you're never going to shake him. He doesn't look scared, doesn't look rattled, handled the moment wonderfully. What did you think of the three-man race? How did you think it would all shake out? And what did you make of Louis and Jordan's performances as well? Yeah, I think my, my, my big thing with, I mean, I love Jordan Spieth. And I think he's, you know, he's got enough to hang his hat on already. And I think he's certainly come back from the slump that he was in for the last few years because he was so dominant back in 2015. Um, but I think now... He's, it's only a matter of time before I think he wins again. Problem with Jordan is, is I think that he gets too much in his head and in his own way. And um, 
I don't know if that necessarily suits him. And I think the opposite can be said for Louis Oosthuizen in the sense that he doesn't, it doesn't feel like he wants it enough. And I think he has that kind of, I think we've talked about that before with Ricky Fowler. He just kind of like doesn't have that like resilience that Rom had at the open um, a month ago and um, doesn't have that kind of fire to finish and close out golf tournaments. Um, and, you know, he just, he, he also doesn't, he doesn't practice that much. You know, he goes back home to South Africa and, and works on his farm. You know, that's kind of, that's kind of his thing that he does and he enjoys. Um, and uh, I don't know if you've seen videos of him in like in team rooms and, 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 you know, traveling on, on planes or whatever, but there's like videos of him, like singing along to songs and dancing on, in, uh, in like president's cup buses. He's kind of a goofball. And I think that kind of lackadaisical attitude is somewhat, um, somewhat befalls him. Um, but I, I think Morikawa, like you said, I mean, they, they mentioned it a couple of times in the broadcast, how he, he's got, you know, a golf IQ similar to Tiger Woods. Um, and I think that in an era where guys like Brooks Kepka and Dustin Johnson, who their golf, their golf IQ is significantly low. Um, and I just kind of, you know, tell me where to hit it and I'll hit it there. And, you know, I'll tell me where to aim the putt and I'll, and I'll make the putt. You know, he's, he's certainly kind of going back to that old style of really thinking, not to the extent of like Bryson DeChambeau, you know, scientifically and all that physics stuff, but really thinking his way through the golf tournament, managing his game, managing his thoughts, because the game is designed to just break your nerves. I mean, it's, it's really designed to, just test you in every way mentally. And I think that the, the great players are able to, um, you know, harness that and really manage their, their mental strengths. I think, you know, something that you said about Louis uh, in our US Open podcast was that, you know, the, one of the commentators said he's floating on air. And it's, and it's true, when he goes out on the golf course, he's very c- cool, calm, collected, and a real steady Eddie out there. I mean, he, he goes out and he plays very consistent, very nice golf. It's not the kind of golf that's going to claw back and, you know, he's, I don't know. There's no, there was never any sense that he had real fight. You know, you, mm. we've, we've talked about his questioning of, of, you know, does he want it? I, I know Louis Eustace and wants to win more open championships, but there's just this kind of gut fight that you need to go through. And then on the reverse side of it, you've got, Jordan Spieth, who micromanages his way around the golf course, talks to himself constantly, is, you know, is right there on on the kind of live wire of having a bit of a temper, a bit angry about shots, but it makes him kind of have a bit of fight. And you think for a second, you know, as they're, you know, changing over on 13, 14, and you're watching, you think maybe Jordan could come back and fight his way to this. The other thing that fascinated me about what happened with Jordan this week was what is going on with his putter. Jordan Spieth, to me, has always been the guy that drains the part that you never think that he should drain. He always, you know, he's he's that guy out on the golf course where it's like, oh, Jordan made a 35-foot in a day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But watching him miss that, what, it was a foot and a half putt on 18 on Saturday to end mm. the day. And he literally was so upset and angry at himself and he ran off, didn't talk to the media, signed his card, but then went straight to the putting green. Apparently brought his putter home with him as well to his hotel room and was working on it all night leading up into Sunday. And I think that, that that's so not what I would expect to be the problem in Jordan's game. I would think the problem in Jordan's game would be getting too 
particular and too micromanaging out in the fairways and you know not hitting pin high it was about putting what did you think of Jordan's struggle with the putter well yeah I mean to touch on kind of what you what you said about Louis yeah. um, a little bit it, you know they talked about him walking on air and for the sake of this metaphor just say he's you know he looked like he was walking on water and I think that um, you don't win major championships by just just strolling upon water I mean right. it you you look light and look relaxed but it's not really how you win major championships you can win you know the Valspar Open or the you know the Shell Houston Open or whatever doing that but to win a major championship against the best golfers in the world you can't really do that and I think Jordan is swimming really fast through water and I think yeah. he's very aggressive and he's very um you know headstrong but I think the reason that Colin Morikawa uh, triumphed today is he's almost like He's like surfing the waves, you know, he's riding with yeah. the ebbs and flows and he's cutting back and he's, you know, he's hitting all the marks, but he's doing it with such kind of style and, and finesse and with specificity, um, not just relaxed, calm, collected. Everything he does is very methodical. Um, maybe it's his UC Berkeley education. I don't know, but, but no, I'm kidding, but he's just, he, that's the type of guy he is. And that's the type of player he is. And, um, and yeah, to touch on Jordan Spieth putting, it's it's one of those. Things. I mean, I've I've had it. You've probably had it. Of you know, you miss a shot, you miss a putt, you think you got it all going the right way, and you know, you come out of one and it flares right on you, and and or you miss a you know a three foot putt on eighteen. You're like, gosh, what did I do? You know, and mm. kind of going back. And I think he was he was working with Cameron McCormick uh, on his stroke. They mentioned he was putting like I can't remember what hole it was, but he had a putt that they showed it kind of from like a worm's perspective, and it 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 broke maybe three or four times. And I think that's a putting such a confidence thing. And especially for him, who's like you mentioned, he's notorious for just sinking these crazy 20, 30, sometimes even 40 foot putts that are just like, like on, yeah. on what planet do you make those, you know? Yeah. And, um, but yeah, I, I think again, like I said, it's only a matter of time for Jordan. I think that he wins another one. Absolutely. And it's great to see his his game at its peak again and, and great to see him performing. The Open fans certainly love him out there as well. You know, Louis has won an Open. It's his only major. He won at St. Andrews, but he won by like five or six shots. And there, it wasn't really a race on Sunday. And you say, you know, that's that you can win a Valspar like that. You can win. A, you can win. He can go out and win an Open championship being the steady Eddie that he is, but he needs a five shot cushion. Exactly. And well, he needs people. He needs people to not, you know, have a career week like right. Colin Morikawa did yeah and, and Colin certainly did congratulations to Colin Morikawa I uh you, like you said UC Berkeley California kid um he's played a lot of the public golf courses that I go and play frequently so um he's kind of a, a local local legend Morikawa so I'm, I'm very yeah. happy for the champ someone in my golf group texted me uh golf's coming home which hurt a little bit I'll be honest oh <laughs> wow that's amazing yeah, golf is coming home. It's a big, it's a big, uh, it's a big uh, year this this year for major championships for California. Um, Huge. Done in Kiowa and and John Rom winning in California, and then Morikawa sealing the deal in uh, in, uh, in 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 England and and bringing bringing golf home. To <laughs> I'd 
to ask you about what you made of the golf course of St. George's. I, one thing that I love about watching the Open is I feel like it's a really different environment than these guys play all year round. And you see them challenged in ways that PGA Tour setups sometimes don't challenge them. Uh, for the most part, at a lot of these you know stock PGA Tour courses, there's going to be about three feet all the way around the hole that's flat. But at the open, there are some some holes that were just on an absolute ridge, or there's no, there's not that guarantee. What do you like about watching? That's that's just one thing of many. I could talk about the rough. I could talk about the style of Lynx golf as well. But you know, what are the things that stuck stick out to you when you watch the Open Championship and and see the best in the world be challenged in a way that they aren't normally? Well, I mean, before I get, I guess get into that, I, I think the first thing that I thought of when I you know looking up, I was like, where is Royal St. George's? And I looked up where it was and just realizing how much, how much history has taken place mm. uh, in that area of the world as well. I think in terms of links layout, I, I haven't, I haven't really, I, I guess I haven't really played any links golf uh, in my life, unfortunately. Um, but I've been, I've seen, you know, St. Andrews in the old course and walked on it. And, uh, you know, so someone told me the first thing you're going to think of is this is it, you know, th- this is, this is the, the home mm. of golf. This is, you know, cause it's not spectacular looking when you, when you look at it, it looks like a, like a open field, you know, it really doesn't have, and you know, with a couple, you know, bunkers in it. So it's not overwhelmingly strikingly beautiful, but the way that, it, that it sets up, you know, practically from a golf standpoint is so unique in the sense that you can hit a drive and be three feet left of where you're aiming and take a bad bounce and bounce into a bunker and you're right up against a lip and you're, I mean, it's, it's almost like a one or two stroke penalty at that point. Um, you know, whether you might not have a, you know, the ability to, to chip out towards the fairway, you might have to chip out towards the, towards the fescue or the rough. And it's, it's almost like it's so the margin for error is so thin. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, you know, American style courses, if you do hit it a little bit left, you're in the rough or you kind of creep into the bunker and you might get a bad lie, but some, you know, sometimes here you're just, you're absolutely, stymied or stuck or can't you know can't get a good can't get a club on it and it's what makes it special and i think that the wind was like i said before the wind is was not strong today um which adds obviously another a uh, whole other factor to it and you know guys in in in, in the era of bomb and gouge uh guys like jordan spieth and louis ustazen and colin morikawa reign supreme today because to win here you have to have the mental fortitude mm-hmm. but also Put lights out, and manage your game. Manage your mental game. Manage your uh, manage your game around the course, and drive the ball well. And yeah. you just have to drive the ball well. Two best clubs in Morikawa's bag this week was his putter and his three wood. And if you can hit some really nice three woods around a Lynx golf course, you're gonna you're gonna post a score yeah. like he didn't play as well as he did. And I, I thought it was really amazing. And and you know, like you kind of alluded to, it's a very different style of test that these guys get. Mm-hmm at a Lynx course and um, playing in the Open Championship. And I think some of the best examples of, of pot bunkers and, you know, having to play a hole sideways, like literally having to come out and just chip out of the bunker. There is no way you're making any, uh, you know, direct line of attack toward the the hole. I, I thought it set up like a really fabulous Lynx course. And I, you know, I didn't realize some of the history of it too. And, um, you know, watching Greg Norman go around there and uh, lots of lots of amazing Open Championship moments at St. George's.
I'm gonna shift topics here. One of my, my, I'm not, I'm not usually a big golf channel guy, but Rich Lerner made me really laugh out loud, and he said it in his kind of perfect golf channel voice. He said, "There doesn't seem to be a week that goes by without a Bryson DeChambeau brouhaha." It's <laughs> just absolutely killed me, but it's true. I mean, the whole golf world seems to just be talking about the Brooks and Bryson storyline. Bryson DeChambeau went out and a press conference and absolutely aired out his club manufacturer. He's sponsored by Puma, who owns Cobra. Cobra has been a major partner for DeChambeau. He's been innovative with them, and they've been very receptive to his ideas. He's created the one-shaft golf clubs, this kind of seven-iron length that is the same shaft for every single golf club, which he's implemented, and they've now sell and sold a lot of. I mean, the, the the interview was unlike anything I've really seen from golfer before. I was I was kind of stunned by it. His words were so harsh and so brash, and he kind of really aired out Cobra. What did you make of Bryson's press conference? I have some thoughts on Bryson, but I Please. also have some thoughts on Rich Lerner because. So I'm I, I might be ruining Rich Lerner for for people by saying this, but he has this thing that he does that I don't know if anybody else notices, but. Me and my buddy notice it constantly. He loves to compare golfers to other athletes. And he does it all the time. He'll be talking about like, yeah, Bryson DeChambeau, just for example, or Brooks Kepka, let's just say, for example, you know, Brooks Kepka strolling down 18th, like Nolan Ryan taking the mound on the, it's like, dude, what are you, you know, and like, like towering over him, like LeBron James. And just, he loves to bring other athletes and other sports into I don't know if he thinks it's like cool or clever his thing, but he does it all the time. I'll keep an eye out for that now. Yeah, keep an eye out for it because he does it all the time. Anyway, but about Brooks, I, it's so funny because I, or sorry, Bryson, I was just starting to like Bryson after watching the match with him and Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady and Phil Mickelson. Mm -hmm. And because I really don't like him. I really, really don't <laughs> like him. And I think it's the hat. And I, and I, I have a theory because he didn't wear the hat in a match. And I was like, you know what, this guy's actually, he's, you know, kind of funny. He's charismatic. He kind of like has little one-liners, like whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and he's wearing a baseball hat and I like him better in a baseball hat than his goofy little Ben Hogan hat. Like, I'm sorry, dude, you are the furthest thing from Ben Hogan. Like you are not even close to Ben Hogan or Payne Stewart for that matter. You're just not, you can't just throw on like a hat like that and call yourself like the next Ben Hogan. <laughs> But, um, <laughs> you get so angry about this. I love this about that. I don't like it. I think it's I I, it's a, it's a it's like a tip of the cap in the way it's an alluding to the. But I think that he he challenges all of the kind of you know stereotypes or, or not any sort of normalcy of golf with it. I don't think that he's trying to say like I'm Ben Hogan by wearing the hat. I think he just I don't know. He's always worn it in competition, and it's it's uh, a it's to honor Ben Hogan. I, I guess don't I don't like it, and I don't like him. <laughs> But you know what? I like him with that. I like him with the baseball hat. And I will say that. But yeah. uh, after after kind of his comments, I mean, like, you know what? Look, I I get the frustration. I get the frustration with the. I mean, we've had we've we've all been there with our clubs and I, you know, gosh, I if only I had, you know, my club was better and this and that. You know, chances are it's the it's the user and not the uh, and not the product. Well, look at what he's trying to do. I mean, his his swing goes inside out. It's an unbelievable move that he's figured out with this driver. That he does these speed swing training sessions where he swings the club out like 
out of control speed club speed going on. He's got five degrees of loft on it, which is so, so flat, so hard to hit. And he's raging at it. I mean, yeah, yeah there's going to be some user error in that. Like, obviously, and to air it, I, I thought the way he aired out his club manufacturer was unlike anything I've seen any athlete kind of talk about a brand or, or someone that supports them or, you know, and P- Puma and, and Cobra have been such a support of Bryson. Um, I, I found it quite stunning, really. Yeah, and I, I think I'm trying to pull up the, the exact quote from um, from Justin Thomas, who uh, who kind of hit him from the top rope. Gosh, I can't find it. But he was saying like, wow, shocking that somebody with crazy club speed who's trying to pulverize the ball yeah. is having problems with his driver. Like, that's odd. You know, yeah. like just it, yeah. it's like dude, you're that's the. That's the burden that you bear, unfortunately, with the, with an insane amount of club speed. Any slight variation with your with your face angle is gonna is gonna have resounding effects on where your ball turns out. I mean, with spin rate and I mean, it's it's everybody knows that it's you know everybody knows that like you know swing easy and the breezy and that kind of thing. It's like if it's if you're worried about the ball spraying left or right, swing easier. And yeah. you know, you're not gonna you're not gonna have to worry about these small little degrees of of face angle affecting you know spin rate and ball flight. I think I'm the way just... the online golf community has responded as well is is quite like literally like on comments all over the internet. Like I love my rad speed driver. Like I think yeah. it's actually great. And and you know you said watching him in the match made you like him a bit more. I, I enjoy I really enjoyed the match, and I'd like to talk to you about that as well. But the the comment I mean Brooks went way up in my in my in my book when he was interviewed and he said yeah playing great feel really good i love my driver it was just perfect i love my driver i mean it was just perfect it was uh, i think this in this brooks and bryson bout that's going on i think that brooks certainly is uh he's taken a pretty pretty good lead and not just in in the driver comment because that was pretty good also the caddy comment you know he he mentioned when they were playing the rocket mortgage when bryson like fired his caddy and it was kind of out of left field. Brooks is saying, you know, playing great. Love McCaddy. McCaddy's doing a great job for me. You know, just like, just totally like, just totally like hitting him where it hurts, you know, uh, which is awesome. And I, and I mean, but like I said, the last time, you know, like these guys are going to be playing on Ryder Cup teams together. Like, and, and, you know, that's been quoted. Both of them have said, I'm willing to play with them. Brooks has said, I'll play with them. Yeah, I'll, I'll play with anybody. But but I don't think I don't think Steve Stricker's the kind of guy to really stir the pot on the the Brooks Bryson beef. You know what I mean? Right. I, don't, I feel like Stricker is totally he's totally a loose cannon, man. He's just like <laughs> what Stricker Stricker's all about the tea, huh? Yeah, man. He's he's all about the drama and the tea, and just you never know with Steve. You know, you really never know. Steve T. Stricker. All right, noted. Did you catch uh, Tyrrell Hatton's meltdown? Okay, you're just you're naming you're you're like bringing up all these players that I just absolutely can't stand. I think that I think Tyrrell Hatton is like the worst thing that's happened to the PGA Tour in a long time. I'm being serious about that. He is just such a little gremlin. I just I can't like I just can't stand this guy. And he's just but he's just like and that's frankly like to bring it to a more positive note. Watching Colin Morikawa's uh, post round uh, interview. Uh, standing on, you know, he first, you know, first of all, started off by wishing um, the the silver medalist, the, the amateur, congratulated him and talked about him for, for a decent amount of time. 
and you know had the you know the, the fans giving a round of applause and then wishes caddy happy birthday and they all sang happy birthday he's just such a such a good dude and he's just such he takes winning so well it means a lot to him and and you know just a, such a good guy and then you have people like terrell hatton who's like he's flipping off members of the gallery he's like snapping his club it's, and the, and you know you catch him like mic'd up and he's just like He's such a little gremlin, man. He's for those just, not familiar with the story. He snapped a club. That's one. He yeah. gave gave a patron the bird after they were slagging him off as well. You know, talking to him. He was caught on a hot mic swearing. Uh, there, there, and there seems to be quite a bit of aggression at the minute on tour. Even Lee Westwood, he had a blind shot, and he and he went to snap his club on his knee, but he held back. And then when he realized when he walked up to his ball, up, he finally saw it. It was actually right next to the cup, which was quite a funny moment. I feel like you but know Lee Westwood is allowed to do that stuff because yeah. Lee Westwood is Lee Westwood. Right. I don't know who Tyrrell Hatton is. <laughs> I like. I, I don't. You know, he's maybe played on a couple Ryder Cups, but other than that, like, it's. Relax, you know. But do you think Relax. this? Do you think this aggression thing is fueled by the Brooks and Bryson beef and people realizing that you can get attention from that? Speaking of aggression, my aggression is is through the roof right now. I got to reel it back a little bit. Um, <laughs> I'm loving it. <laughs> uh, is if you're right, uh, I mean, I mean, possibly. I think it's, I think it's all in good fun. I mean, we haven't had a rivalry like this in a long time. I mean, we kind of went through you know, Tiger and VJ, uh, Tiger and Phil. I mean, Tiger and Phil didn't really like go at each other much, but there was that kind of unspoken, like, I don't really like this guy. I guess with Tiger being like the common denominator back in the day, Tiger and Sergio, but uh, Ian Poulter and everybody else. But like we, like I kind of went through this stage of like Dustin Johnson, uh, Jason Day, Rory McIlroy, Jordan Spieth, uh, Brant Snedeker, Zach Johnson, this kind of Matt Kuchar, mm. you know, these players who, all are just really nice guys and they just don't really fight with each other. They kind of get along and they're, they're kind of goofballs. And, you know, there's not really that like uh, angsty, you know, bitter rivalry kind of thing going on. We haven't had that in a while. And, you know, you see that certainly in, in other sports and, and uh, you know, there's, there's some, there's some heat between you know, people, baseball player, Manny Machado certainly caught a lot of heat from a lot of, a lot of people. And, um, I don't know why this comes to mind, but like Formula One, there's a lot of there's a lot of heat going on between the racers and Formula One, and we don't really have that much in golf. And so I think it's it 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 provides. I, I don't know if it's necessarily good for the game. I mean, I can't imagine it being good for the game, but I think it's just an interesting side of things to see that we've had we haven't seen really ever. I mean, since social media, because you know who know back in the when Tiger and Phil were playing together and kind of they you know they had their little um, spats. Uh, it was obviously pre-social media and and uh, things were a little bit more hidden and secretive. Um, whereas now it's, you know, it's out in the open and, and people can kind of, people have much more of a, of a lens into that kind of thing. I think I had heard about it before, but I, I'd kind of forgotten about it until I was listening to the PGA Tour radio and, and they re-brought it up. But uh, when all of the stuff was going on with the golf league, the premier golf league, when they might split away from the PGA tour and all of that, the PGA tour implemented a $40 million player impact fund to reward a player based on popularity online. There's some sort of mathematical kind of algorithm they're going to use to see how people talk about golfers and the top 10 of these golfers who get the most chatter about them online are going to be earned, earning a, a piece of this $40 million pot. Did you know about this story? And, and if you didn't, didn't what it, no. no, 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 I didn't. 
what do you make of that? I mean, I think it's it's the PGA Tour trying to figure out a way to have uh, more conversations about uh, golf and, and that people who are competing regularly, but not say not winning, but they are big characters or big personalities on the tour. This is a way to reward them in a sense. What do you make of the story? Well, I think that, um, you know, golf popularity is such an underrated thing that people don't really talk about much. Um, you know, in the 90s and 80s, when on the PGA Tour, guys were bringing home, you know, $500, $500 in earnings or 500, sorry, $500,000 in, in, in winnings. And, um, you know, it doubled um, when Tiger came onto the scene and made the game, right. you know, so, I mean, there's, there's not a single person on planet earth that doesn't know who Tiger Woods is. You know, there's plenty of people who don't know who Phil Mickelson is. There's plenty of people who don't know Jordan Spieth or Rory McIlroy, you know, but Tiger Woods is, I mean, he's, he completely transcended and, you know, broke through the glass ceiling of what a golfer could be golf popularity, you know, even though, even though Brooks and Bryson didn't, I mean, Brooks came close today, but uh, Brooks and Bryson didn't, didn't win or didn't even, I don't think Brooks placed in the top five, but we're still talking about them, you know? Right, right. And, uh, and there's something to be said for that. In terms of golf popularity, I think it's, it's incredibly important. I mean, it's why Ricky Fowler, who he didn't qualify for the Masters, he didn't qualify for the US Open this year, yet he's still on every single golf ad on TV. Hmm. Um, because he's popular, people love him. Whether or not he's at the top of the golfing world, or, you know, is is in the top fifty of the world of golf rankings. I mean, he's he's popular, and people really really like him. And you know, a player like Ricky Fowler could be a part of this. I mean, ten golfers are going to be sharing in this forty million dollar pot. That a really interesting quote from Fred Couples. He said, "Let me get this straight. There's forty million to play for for the guys on the app PGA Tour based on social media for likes and tweets." The only tweets I've ever heard make you money are birdie tweet tweets. So good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's true. I mean, like, uh, but I, I'm curious as to how this algorithm will work and if, if there's going to be some sort of how they're going to disperse all of this. And what if, if Patrick Reed is getting tons of hate online, does that still mean that he's getting talked about? So he deserves a piece of this $40 million part. Uh, it's it's, it's, it's an it. interesting argument, you know. When Reed gets hate, he loves it. Right. He, he it fuels him. It. I think it fuels him a bit. Of course. Of course it does. It's Captain America. And you know, it's funny. He's like, everybody loves him during the Ryder Cup. And then, right. you know, over the tournaments, he's, he's the enemy. Yeah. What was I going to say, finally, wrapping this up? Oh, yeah. Are you looking forward to the, are you looking forward to the Olympics? Are you looking forward to Olympic golf? Do you think Justin Rose is going to be able to get his gold medal again? His... His prized possession. He loves that thing. Yeah, he talks. Yeah, he, he went for a while talking about that thing. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, have my, I have my thoughts about golf in the Olympics. Um, but, you know, I love what Colin Morikawa said about it. He, he said, any ch- you know, he's like, I'm going to be an Olympian for life. You know, that, and, that's, mm. and that's something that very few It's an honor. Say. Yeah. And it's an honor. And it's an honor to represent your country. And I think, um, you know, that... that that's very important to be, you know, to be said as well. You know, he has a chance to represent his country in some magnitude, not just the Ryder Cup. Uh, and it's and it's an experience for these guys too. It's not just, I mean, winning the gold is kind of it's it's nice and fun. It doesn't mean as much as you know, like a swimmer or a gymnast or something like that. But 
but it's an experience for these guys to to be in you know to live in the olympic village and and to walk in the opening ceremonies and and be a part of arguably the greatest sporting event ever uh, i think it's i think it's really cool for these guys do i really care who wins the gold medal not really i mean i you know because it's just such a it's such a weird format in the sense that you're getting you know these countries that are electing you know, Rory Sabatini, who is born in South Africa, but for some reason plays for Slovakia, is getting into the into the Olympics mm-hmm. uh, as, as a Slovakian golfer. And it just to me, that just like it's just bizarre and weird. You know, I think it, it might have been better if they formatted it from like, OK, you know, top top 40 guys or top 50 right. guys in the world golf rankings get in and whatever countries they represent is the countries they represent you know, like with, with, with most sports uh, in the Olympics. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking forward to the Olympics in general. It's just, it's just a cool time. You know, it's a cool time to be, you know, the heroes certainly felt like that. Everybody was talking about it. Everybody was, sorry, I, I, I had to bring it up. Yeah, but yeah. I'm sorry. I, I feel it. I felt the pain as well. Um, as a, as an Arsenal fan watching, watching my boy get up and miss. Uh, but you know, I, I, uh, it was just cool to, it was cool to be a part of something that everybody, whether, you know, regardless of whether or not you cared about football, everybody was fixed in on it, um, which was really cool. I, I don't know if you've seen videos. There was a the street in New York, just south of Union Square, that was just completely blocked off and it was flooded with people watching this game on this big, like, jumbotron kind of thing. And, uh, you know, it's very a la World Cup, you know, mm. uh, and that's in, and it's New York. It's, and, you know, 95% of the people couldn't tell you who, you know, the starting forward for, you know, the starting striker for Manchester City is, you know, um, but or they couldn't tell you who won the, the Champions League last year. Um, lest we forget that your boys won it. So, but yeah, no, and, and it's cool. And it'll be cool to see that uh, in the Olympics as well. Still golf to come, but we've had all of our major championships of this season. Hideki Matsuyama, Phil Mickelson, John Rahm, and now Colin Morikawa. Uh, I've had you on after every major championship and I really appreciate it Matt always love talking golf with you thank you so much man thanks man thanks again to Matt Moretz for coming on the podcast talking about the Open Championship we've talked about every major championship you can listen to all of those here on the All American Brit podcast on the Believe Podcast Network be sure to follow me at AABritPod on Instagram and Twitter. As always, I am your host, Johnny McEwen, and until next time, take care. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.